to begin Matthew chapter 13 and verse 31. If you'll join us, we're in a three-week series. I'll be gone, not next week, but the following week on our trip. Uh, so we've got just a brief series of messages on the kingdom of God. If you were with us last week, we were in Acts chapter 1. We saw uh, kingdom involvement, who would be involved, the disciples and us, we're involved in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth to carry the gospel. Today we're going to look at kingdom increase. Last week was kingdom involvement, today kingdom increase. We're going to look at two brief parables in just a moment. You know, everyone is familiar with post-it notes, and I believe they were created with me in mind because I am forgetful, all right? But people use post-it notes not only um, to remember things, but also to uh, mark uh, their place. 3M created them a, a number of years ago. Uh, they began with the typical yellow color, and it's evolved into about 26 different colors of post-it notes. In fact, uh, post-it notes are used in over 100 nations worldwide, and about 10 years ago, just 40 years into its creation, uh, there were somewhere around 6 billion that were produced in that year. But how the post-it note began is of great interest. The local church had a great part, or the sole part, in the concept of the post-it note. There was a man, and his name was Arthur Fry. He was a local church member and a choir member, and he wanted to mark his place in his hymnal. Every Wednesday night, they would have choir practice, and they were leading in the congregational and the choir selections, so there were three or different three or four different places that he would mark, and so he would take a little slip of paper, cut it, and he would stick it at the top of the hymnal. The problem is, when he opened the hymnal on Sunday morning, the paper went everywhere, and he lost his place. He was frustrated, but he was a 3M employee, and he knew another man named Spencer Silver. Spencer Silver had created this light adhesive type of glue. The two of them got together with that light adhesive and they came up with the concept of post-it notes. So that's a little bit of tidbit of information if you wonder where they came from. They started in the local church. I thought though if six billion of those could be posted in fewer than 40 years, then what is the potential of the local church. We're going to look at that today. Again, we're continuing our study in the kingdom of God. And what we're going to see today is that great things can come from small beginnings. In fact, we're going to look extensively at that today. Uh, last week, we noticed how the kingdom of God was on Jesus' mind during those 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. And we see that his heart was not just for Jerusalem, not just for Judea, not just for Samaria, but for the uttermost parts of the earth. You remember last week we looked in Daniel chapter 2 how God's kingdom is an eternal kingdom, that all of the other kingdoms will have their end, but his kingdom is ever increasing. So we moved last week from kingdom involvement, who is involved in that work, to today, kingdom increase. Look with me at Matthew 13 
beginning in verse 31. Jesus presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at your word today, we thank you for your kingdom that's ever growing. Even as I'm speaking, Lord, your kingdom is moving forward, and it's an eternal kingdom. And I pray today that if there be anyone within the sound of my voice who is not a part of that vast kingdom, that this day, Lord, they would be a follower of Christ. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. These two parables found in Matthew chapter 13 are really two among eight parables. In fact, um, the eight parables in this one chapter, I believe, may be the most parables in one chapter, leading many people to call Matthew 13 the parable chapter. But in among these eight uh, parables, we find these two intertwined parables, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. And the common theme of both is it speaks to the advancement and the progress and the growth of God's kingdom. But we're going to see today there really is a distinction. While, while the overall message and thrust of these two parables is very similar, we're going to see the distinction in the two and, and how the first speaks really to the results, the mustard seed, the second really speaks to the process. The first speaks to how God begins his kingdom in a small way and it grows to be a vast kingdom. And then Jesus, in, in the way that he teaches, followed that with the parable of the leaven to show how that would come about. This morning, I want to look first at the small beginning. Then we're going to look secondly at how vast God's kingdom is and will be and then finally we'll look at that last verse and last parable and understand the process but first note with me the kingdom's small beginning we see it in verse uh, 31 he said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field it's the smallest of all seeds in other words what he's saying there is God's kingdom God's kingdom began in a small way. You know, that shouldn't surprise us because God's modus operandi is working through small. We see it throughout scripture. He took small David and he dropped the, the massive Goliath. He, he, Gideon came to him. Gideon was going to try to fight 160,000 men with only 32,000 men and God weeded them down to 300 and God used 300 men to overthrow an army of 160,000. Think of Israel. Israel was not the most impressive of nations. It was the smallest of nations. Yet in Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 through 3, it says that nations will come to the light that Israel will shine. Uh, 
we see also last week we looked at the lad who brought just a few loaves and fishes and how God multiplied that. We see Jesus working his ministry, not by beginning with a great multitude of people, but a very few men themselves, it tells us in the book uh, of Acts, not that impressive. And so God's way of operating often was using that which was small. Then we think of Jesus himself. He wasn't born in a royal palace. He was born to an early teen. He was born in an inconspicuous manger near an insignificant town. So knowing these truths, this parable, this first parable should not surprise us that God will take just a very little and accomplish very much. And that really leads to two questions we might have. And the first is this. Why small? Why did God choose small? Why, why did he choose this way to begin his kingdom? Couldn't he have begun with just this great triumphal, triumphant procession of, of many, many people upon which he would build his kingdom? Well, you know, when we ask why small, we really probably shouldn't ask because God's ways are different from our ways. Many times we try to think through. In fact, uh, I'm in the process of reading in Job in, in my daily time now, and, and I think of the counsel of all those friends, and they were convinced that they knew exactly the message God had for Job, but how far they were off. Many times we don't understand. In fact, Isaiah 55, 8, God says of himself, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. As heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are better than your ways. So we really don't know why, but I think there is one thing that's clear. When it begins small and it ends great, there's one who gets the glory, and that's God. When David dropped, the Goli dropped Goliath, there was no human explanation that a little shepherd boy, not even recognized by his own father, could drop that giant that everyone else feared. When that little boy brought the few fishes and loaves and they were multiplied in the hands of Jesus, there was no explanation except God had done it. When 300 men under Gideon's leadership, who himself was a hesitant and insecure leader, when they dropped 160,000 Midianites, it had to be God. Each of these was unmistakably a work of God. And so when we ask why God began, is it God does it. When he begins small, he receives the glory. You know, we're not a large church. Wouldn't it be great to see God do things that couldn't be explained in human terms? And that leads to the second question. Not just why, why does God choose small, but the second question is why not us? Why not us? We're about 125 on the top end, somewhere between 100 to 125 in attendance each Sunday. We live in a county, the population a couple of years ago was 16,999. All right, that tells me we're fewer right here. We're fewer than 1% of the people in Buckingham County. The population of Buckingham County is less than one quarter of 1% of our state population. By, by nature, we're in mustard seed category. But that doesn't mean that God can't work 
in an amazing way. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't expect God to work through the ministry of the church. And when God works, guess what happens? He receives the glory in it. So what are we to do? We're to pray, God, use my Sunday school class. God, use this church here. God, use this church to, to be the leaven in this community, in this state, and in the world. And we should act. You know, sometimes we pray and then we don't act. I, I receive a, a prompter each day. It's called Bless This Home. It's a, a prayer for neighborhood. And they begin uh, putting, uh, they give you lists of neighbors geographically to you and you pray there are five families and and I pray for them and and others of you who've been involved to do it but just the other day they started a new thing and they said numbers of prayers and it's way up in the hundreds and they said number of contacts zero I don't know how to make the contacts how to say I've done them but but the point is it's not just enough to pray but we must contact and so we ask not only, God, why do you begin small, but why not us? God, why can't you do amazing things through our children's ministry here, through our youth ministry, even though the numbers may not be great? But that leads us to the second thing, the kingdom's large growth. Notice what it says of the smallest of seeds, but when it's grown, it's taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. In other words, the mustard seed actually was very, very small, about 1 25th of an inch, about the size of the white part of my fingernail, and I bite my fingernails, okay? So that tells you how small it is, okay? And so it begins that small, but it expands up to a tremendous size plant that it would be considered a tree. In fact, in that part of the world, uh, mustard plants would grow to be somewhere around 12 to 20 feet. I was talking with Alvin this week. He's been having struggle finding mustard, all right? And, and maybe you've had that same trouble. I think he found some yesterday. But, 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 but in that day, the mustard seed grew into a great plant, and there was a great supply. In fact, Jesus said it's so great that it would cover and shelter the birds. You know, we shouldn't be surprised when healthy things grow. One thing about being here over 30 years as a pastor is I get to see young people grow. I get to see, like Kemp, he'll, he'll grow an inch a week now, it seems. I don't know how they're keeping him in clothes, you know. And you see other children like that. But then you begin to see people grow into adults, and you see maturity, and you see moving from concrete thinking to abstract thinking, analytical thinking. And you begin to have adult-to-adult conversations, we think it normal growth. In fact, it would be strange, my son, my oldest son Wilson, he was six months old when he was born here, I would think it's strange if he was still using a pacifier. He wouldn't do that at age 31. Growth should be normal. God's kingdom began small, but it didn't stay that way. Last week, we looked at kingdom involvement in Acts chapter 1. He began with 11. The 12 minus Judas. We know they appointed an additional 12, but also we know early in the book of Acts, it mentions of the 120 that were in the room, so 11 to 120. And by the time Peter preached at Pentecost some 10 days later, there were 3,000 added to the number. And it kept growing. And it is still growing. 
it is still growing even today. So that which is small will continue to grow. The point is this, God's kingdom is ever growing. We may not see it, but it is growing. It is growing in Central America. It is growing in, in South Asia. In fact, I, I chuckled with Sean. When you go on these trips, you get so excited, you can talk all day. I received the first text yesterday from my buddy from South, that had ministry in Southeast Asia. It was 19 different texts in one. He was so excited. I've never received, it just kept going ding, ding, in about 10 seconds, ding, ding. And, and he just couldn't control himself. God's kingdom is growing and it's exciting. Psalm 96.3 says this, Declare his glory among the nations, his wonderful works among all peoples. I have two questions for you today. Are you a part of that kingdom? I've been reading a book titled Hell, a guide. It's written by a man named Anthony Stefano. It's the only guide to a place I've ever read that no one wants to go to. But when he writes this book, he talks about the description, the emotional, the spiritual, the physical torture of hell. And he basically points out no one should want to go there. But if you're not a part of God's kingdom, that's your destiny. That's your trajectory. That's why you need to believe in Jesus Christ because he came to die on the cross and he arose from the dead to give life to save you from the, from the judgment of hell. So the first question, are you a part of the kingdom of God? But the second is this, if you're a part of the kingdom of God, then are you witnessing? Are you sharing about God's kingdom? Well, that leads us to the second parable, the process of that growth, and we see it in verse 33. We follow the, the progression of verses 31 and 32, the small beginning, the vast growth. We talked last week in Daniel 2 about God's kingdom being that eternal kingdom that is going to vanquish every other kingdom. But here we get to the process in verse 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. So as Jesus moves to this second parable, we see that he speaks about process. He moves from the field and the mustard seed to the kitchen and the yeast that is used in cooking. Most of us, and I'll confess to our home and me, we buy bread in the store with very little thought of the process of the making of that bread. We live in the day of frozen biscuits, of frozen rolls. Believe it or not, you can go to any store and you can find frozen toast, Texas toast. Even bread is frozen. But in Jesus' day, all bread was baked at home. And leaven was a little piece of that dough used previously that was kept, fermented, and was placed in the batch, the current batch, and it did its work of making the bread rise. And so the question is, how does leaven relate to the kingdom? We've already seen that God's kingdom is going to begin small, that it's going to become great. But as we talk about the process why leaven? Well, leaven does what? It works through contact. Leaven doesn't do any good if it's set across the kitchen. It must come in contact with the batch. It works inwardly. It works within. 
And so lest we think that God's kingdom is going to come by these great outward events and these outward spectacles, no, what Jesus is saying is the growth of the kingdom is within the Holy Spirit working and prompting individuals to share Christ. We saw that. We saw the work of God in our Sunday school lesson today, even with the early disciples, that inward unction to share. You know, more than once, Paul spoke negatively of leaven. You may remember in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 8, about the man who took his father's wife, how he was wrong and he was sinful in it, and, but he said the church was accepting of it. And then when he said the church accepting in the church such immorality, he said a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. In other words, that which is working in is affecting the whole batch. And then he also speaks in Galatians chapter 5 the same thing about the inward influence of wrong teaching. When wrong teaching comes in the church and it's within and it's inside the contact of the church, the result of that is that it affects the whole church. But conversely today, we see that when the Spirit of God is working in and through a church in an individual, the impact, the leaven, it's a good thing. It leads to growth and advancement. What we need in our lives in the church is to be spirit-led and spirit-filled. And when God is working in and through us in such a way, it facilitates growth. That's why at the very beginning, what we looked at last week, right after that he said that they were to wait for the Holy Spirit. They weren't to get ahead of God. It wasn't through man's efforts, but it was the Spirit who would bring the increase. But you know, the good news is God gives you and me the privilege of being a part of that kingdom growth. He gives us that blessing. As his spirit prompts us, we're able to participate, even in a small way. Years ago, uh, Karen and I uh, made a donation to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary where, where we attended seminary together. And uh, they had a particular building project going on. We gave a modest gift, $100. But guess what? We have a brick in Fort Worth, Texas. And it has Rick and Karen Caldwell in it. And I know that because when some of our uh, students have gone out to Southwestern, I've had them find that brick and take a picture of it. All right? Modest gift. We had an opportunity to be pig, part of a big, big project. But were we integral to it? We weren't. They, they weren't going to miss our donation. They would have found it somewhere else. Yet I had the privilege, Karen had the privilege, of being a part of something that was big. Listen, we're not a mega church. We don't have multiple ministries. We, we don't have the ear of everybody in Lynchburg and Richmond. But we don't have to. Because God delights in working in small ways, in doing big things. You know, I close with this thought. We might ask, what can we as one church or one person do? How can we impact the world? I've shared this a number of years ago, but I want to share it again because I, think, I cannot think of any illustration uh, close to current uh, that would be as relevant. 
The name Edward Kimball may not mean very much to you. It's not a household name. He was a simple Sunday school teacher of boys. Back in the day, I guess before there were child labor laws, he had a young man named Dwight in his Sunday school class. And so he went to work and shared with Dwight the gospel. Dwight accepted Christ. That's D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody himself became a preacher preaching to multitudes. And one time in his preaching services, a man named Wilbur Chapman believed on the Lord. Chapman himself went into the ministry of proclamation and he preached at an open air event one time and there was a man named Billy Sunday, a professional baseball player in the early 1900s who heard the gospel and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Billy Sunday left his professional baseball career at its peak and went into preaching the gospel. A man named Mordecai Ham once heard Billy Sunday preach, and he followed the Lord Jesus Christ, giving his heart to him under the preaching of Billy Sunday. And Mordecai Ham became a preacher. And he was preaching one time in North Carolina, and a young boy named Billy Frank heard the gospel. And that boy, Billy Frank, was Billy Graham, who preached to over a billion people in his lifetime. Edward Kimball, a simple Sunday school teacher, having a burden to share with a simple boy, and that mustard seed growing to be a vast impact. I close with this thought. Pastor Travis Agnew says this, you can count the apples on a tree, but only God knows how many apples seed. Let's pray. Father, you work like that leaven in the batch. It's not seen once it goes in the batch. It, it may not be conspicuous at all, but God, the simple obedience of a servant of a church can make a significant impact. Father, we thank you that your kingdom is increasing. We pray your kingdom come. We pray for the growth of your kingdom, but we know that it is growing. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, as a church in faith, though we be small, to train up children, to invest in your kingdom here in this community, to, to continue to be involved in all four areas, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, that, Lord, we would have the privilege of being a part, even if it's one small brick, in what you're doing in this world. Father, we love you and lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The